Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college football, college basketball, the NFL, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 118. So I have a mini game of trivia for you, too. Um... We're going to talk about the top five uh, teams and quarterbacks. <laughs> well, let's say the top five teams, including Tom Brady, I guess, with the uh, the most amount of playoff wins, right? So can you list, including Tom Brady and, and all the franchise teams, can you list the top five most winning playoff things? You know, you know what I'm saying? In, in, in order or just... If, for bonus points, you can you can say them in order. But if you know, we'll see who can get the most most amount right here. Because I was kind of surprised. Are so you going one at a time or five in a row? Let's go one at a time. So who's your number one? Who do you think has the most uh, postseason wins of all time? San Francisco. New okay. England. Number two. New England. Tom Brady. Number three. Tom Brady. San Francisco. Number four. Dallas. Dallas. <laughs> Number five, Green Bay, Pittsburgh. So in order, the, the correct answer is the Patriots at 37, the Packers at 36, the Steelers at 36, the Cowboys at 35, and then Tom Brady with wow. a total 34 playoff win. The Niners the, weren't even on there. Uh, no, they're they're right uh, they're right below. They're at uh, uh, they're, they're, they're number five if you count just franchise teams. Right. Uh, number six if you count TV 12. So he is. You just got four or five right missing Sam. I missed Sam. Uh, I missed Green Bay and uh, I missed the Steelers. Missed Pittsburgh. I wasn't thinking about San Francisco until you said it, and I was like, "No way, he's probably right with that one." And then I said, "Right, that's yeah. what I thought." I was like, "San Francisco's got to be in there." You said Pittsburgh, and I was like, "Oh crap!" Yeah, yeah. If if you wouldn't have said San Francisco, I would have gotten all five right because I was gonna say Green Bay. So for, for bonus points, can you name the, the losingest team? What team has the least amount of playoff wins? The least amount of playoff in, wins or the in most appearances, right? The, the least amount of wins. Right. Uh, Detroit? Um, hold on. You can't look it up. Indianapolis. Oh. Uh, it's definitely not Indianapolis. The Detroit has seven playoff wins. The worst is uh, three wins for the Houston Texans. Houston, yeah. Oh. been around that long. Oh, crap. I was yeah. Just the Super Bowl appearances. That's why I said the Colts. So, and another fun fact, Tom Brady, right, has the most amount of playoff wins. He's number one. Number two is a guy named Bart Starr. Brett yeah. Starr. Bart, Bart Starr, Starr, right? Bart Starr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, had, he had five. Five. Yep. Five of them from uh, 61 to 67. Yeah, five playoff wins. Five playoff wins for number two versus what? What did I say? Thirty-four. Did that or, I mean, yes, but wait. But, but, five play. They've quarter. There are other quarterbacks who won more than five playoff games. Maybe I wrote down. Eli Manning has two Super Bowls. Yeah, you're right. And so I, 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 I could look up if I'm wrong, but I think Patrick Mahomes already has five playoff wins. He probably does. I agree with your first part of that stat, but your last addendum there doesn't make any sense. Well, I'm I'm two for three. I'll I'll take that as a win. Right, because Patrick Mahomes had three playoff wins alone last year and two this year. Yeah. So 
Yeah. And this Eli is why Manning, I'm not a stats Eli guy. Manning has at least six winning two Super Bowls. Yep. So. Oh, I, I was looking at championships. Sorry. Yeah. Tom Brady has seven and Bart Starr is five. That's that what makes, I was looking at. Championships, not, not playoff wins. My that apologies. I would buy. Yeah. But it must be noted that some of Bart Starr champions, championships were the, before the Super Bowl era. Yep. So that, That's true. And if you wanted to actually know the real stat that I screwed up, it's Joe Montana at number two versus Tom Brady's uh, 34 wins. On. That I would buy. That I also buy. Joe Montana between San Francisco and then Kansas City. Yep. Yeah. Well, since, since we're on the topic of all-time greats here, I mean, Matt Campbell is already an all-time great um, coach at, I- at Iowa State, in Iowa State history. I'm not going to go any further than that. Um, and Matt Campbell, um, Iowa State awarded Matt Campbell um, for that with a contract extension that was just announced on Monday. Um, that's going to keep Matt Campbell in Ames um, through 2028 is the terms of the contract. Um, the, one of the biggest things it does is it gives him an extra $3 million to spend on his assistant coaches. So Matt Campbell is going to reward the guys who got him here or who helped get him here um, with that new money. I haven't seen what it does for his compensation, but the biggest thing I saw was the addition to the, um, the, his assistant coaches. Now, this might be a little bit of a hot take, so I apologize if this is a piping hot take, but you need to be careful about extending Matt Campbell every year. Like, I get it. He's a great coach. I just said he's one of the all-time great coaches in Iowa State history. And, but, okay, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, and I'm not saying I think this is going to happen. But let's say that at some point, Matt Campbell turns into a pumpkin, and it just stops working out. Right. So recently we've been talking about those buyouts as, yeah, he's not going anywhere because another school is going to have to pay us so much money. But let's say two years from now, Matt Campbell just stops working. You're going to have to keep him around because the buyout is too high the other way, too. Right. Reward Matt Campbell, but he doesn't need a contract through 2028. Nobody needs a contract through 2028. Especially. But you you don't need to extend Matt Campbell two years after every year. Eventually his contract will go to infinity and that's just not good. Especially when there's so much of a budget shortfall suffered due to the like loss of revenue this year and how Jamie Pollard already laid out that they're going to have to finance that over the course of, I forget how many years he said 10 or 15 years. So it, it won't certainly won't help the cause if you have to add a Matt Campbell buyout to it um, in a couple of years under like that scenario that he becomes a, a pumpkin or a potato, honestly, because either are right. Um, I'm, I'm not saying this will happen and I'm not saying I think it's going to happen. I'm just saying, unless you need to do it to keep him around, why are you doing it? Like, what- I, so. I understand this one, I think, for the sense that he gets to that the more money for his staff to keep his staff intact, right? Because it's it is hard to continue getting great staff around you, possibly at a school like Iowa State, when there's other, I would say, more desirable jobs out there. Like when Steve Sarkeesian gets gets the job at Texas, he's he says, when Texas comes calling, you you answer the phone. You don't Hang up. Matt Campbell blocks them. Except for Matt Campbell. 
But I also think that Matt Campbell doesn't want a school like Texas. His dream job is Ohio State, but Ohio State ain't coming calling here for the next few years because Ryan Day seems to work just like Urban. That's a different story. But I think this this one makes sense. But I think let this contract ride, Cyclone Nation, Jamie Pollard and Wendy Winterstein. Let this let this contract ride out and see what happens. At least give him another two, maybe three years get into 2024 and see if we need to extend it past then. I, I like these extensions. I think it's putting more money down on the table. You are betting that your coach is still going to be great. But like you said, Mike, if you're concerned about him becoming a pumpkin, you wouldn't want to extend this contract, right? That's obviously not a concern for Jamie Pollard in my mind. You you don't think Matt Campbell is going to turn into a pumpkin, a potato or an ear of corn. I mean, like, sure. th- this is just more money on the table saying, hey, we really believe in our coach and his staff and what he's doing, and we're going to back him up 100% of the time. Yeah, I mean, you know? sure. But if every decision an athletic director made like that, then uh, Texas wouldn't be paying Tom Herman tens of millions of dollars not to coach, and Tennessee wouldn't be paying the coach. They just fired tens of millions of dollars and, not to coach. And correct me if I'm still wrong, Texas might still be paying Charlie Strong. To go coach. Well. North Carolina. He's coaching North Carolina now, right? No. Yeah. That's, that's no. That's the other former Texas coach, Mac Brown. Is it North yeah, Carolina? That's Mac Brown. No, no, no. Charlie Strong. I think Charlie Strong has a job somewhere else, but Charlie that's Strong ass, was maybe. was post Mac Brown, pre Tom yeah. Herman. Yes. Texas has got themselves in a financial nightmare, but thankfully for them, they've got the money for it. I guess so. That's why I'm saying you don't do these contract extension extensions unless you know that your coach is going to be there and he's going to be good and i think matt campbell is one of the few that i i think you can say that about he is going to be good he is not going to flop well i mean we can rub that crystal ball all we want and see what happens in the future but we don't we don't know what'll happen in two three years maybe the ohio state job does open up and matt campbell goes there i think that's one of the only schools that can afford his buyout so we'll see it, it's an interesting topic to bring up, um, but something that I also I have a little bit of a hot take in basketball. If we stick to Iowa State coaches, uh, so an update in the hardwood land for Cyclone hoops. Uh, it wasn't any better this week for Iowa State men's basketball, although they they are competitive in their games thus far. Uh, or they're getting more and more competitive now that the team is recovering finally from their COVID outbreak. Uh, they lost to West Virginia at home uh, this week. Um, uh, and that was only a four point loss in which they held a lead late in this game, in that game. They have held a lead late in the game against West Virginia, both times that they played them. And actually they played West Virginia better than KU has. Um, speaking of KU, just love to shout it out that KU is unranked this week in the AP poll. Absolutely love to see that. Great, great news. Um, mathematically eliminated from winning the conference title too, so we can uh, stop hearing about this stupid streak. Oh, uh, we love it. Absolutely love it. And yeah, we'll see if there are any NCAA findings at the end of this season as well. That would just add an icing, icing to that cake. Uh, speaking of, um, icing, well, there, there wasn't a lot of sweetness in that, in the end of the, uh, road game at Oklahoma, 
it's there's there's just a lot of fundamentals that are lacking and there's youth on this team that uh doesn't help as well it also doesn't help that two of your most experienced players foul out with three minutes left at the end of the game in a close game uh in a road environment in oklahoma uh this game was a little bit worse on the scoreboard uh 79 to 72 as an outcome um but a take that I saw from Chris Williams that I wanted to bring up to you guys. The Cyclones have now played 13 games this season. When you look at the roster, the makeup of the roster this year, there are only a few returning players, not a lot of um, experience being in the system for a while, tons of new uh, talent, new acquisitions, 13 games into the season in a normal year, you are just getting out of your non-conference schedule possibly right? Or about this time, you are wrapping up non-conference games, getting into conference games. So at this point, the team is playing more like with a little bit more cohesion. You would expect to have a few more wins at this point than the only two wins that Iowa State has right now. In, in So I saw this from Chris, Chris Williams, but I want to get your opinion. Do you think in a normal season, this Cyclones team would be better than last place in the Big 12, seeing how competitive they have been recently? Do I think they better, maybe? Better, like a better record. At least having more, let's just say more than five wins in conference. More than five wins in conference? No, not that many. The Big 12 is really good this year. And I mean, even if you look at the talent of this team, right? They're not as talented as some of these other teams. Like, I don't think, right? You, they're definitely not as talented as Oklahoma State with Kate Cunningham. Or Baylor. Or well, Baylor's the top two talent in the country. Yeah, you're not more talented than Baylor, or Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State, or West Virginia, or Texas, or Kansas, probably. Well, okay, where are your five wins going to come from, right? Like, you I think this team are the only other teams, and that's only four if you've played them twice somehow. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think, yes, this team would be better in a regular year, but, I mean, this would have still been a rough year for Iowa State basketball. I mean, it's somewhat of a good point um, that maybe you need to give Prom another year because of that, and I wouldn't be opposed to that. I'm not on the fire Prom now bandwagon. I mean, I wouldn't be upset if they did. Like, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but I'm not calling for his job by any means. Right. And the, the thing that the thing that we're hoping for is the talent that Prom has brought in. Hopefully Xavier Foster returns next year, uh, which would be a huge help for this a boost for this team. Um, they have a four star prospect coming in, I believe, out of Wisconsin. Another Wisconsin prospect uh, from where not from the same area that Tyrese Halliburton came from, but um, similar recruiting grounds. So the, the talent could be there next year for this team. Uh, especially with people who have been in the system for a while. I like the emergence of Jaden Walker thus far. He's got length. Um, I think, believe he's 6'5 or 6'6 at, at a point guard, long arms. He had a breakout game, in my opinion, that home game against West Virginia. Uh, had, uh, I believe, eight points, six, six or seven rebounds and six or seven assists. So he had he had a pretty good game. He was handling the ball really well. Uh, got into foul trouble against OU, but there is talent on this team. It just needs to be put together. And I think an off season with this team, plus some of the talent that's coming in can really, I mean, I think Iowa state could be in a lot better position next year, probably not fighting for a conference championship, but at least middle of the pack in the big 12 next season. 
depending on how the other teams shape up. So yeah, I yep, I'm fine with letting this ride for another year. I don't see a problem with that. I I I would I would agree with that. I think we let it ride for Prome this year or next year, see what happens. And at the end of next year, if he doesn't meet expectations, I think you set a limit of what the expectations are next year for Prome. I think a winning season in an NCAA champ or and wow, NCAA championship. Hello, that's exceeding expectations. But an NCAA uh, tournament berth, I think, is your expectations for Prome next year. And I think if he doesn't meet those expectations, but we'll see. I think we need to let it ride. Uh, one coach that is obviously not getting the boot is Bill Finley. Uh, this this team continues to just play well. Uh, this is a tournament team. Um, they did lose on the road in a tough a tough loss to number twenty one West Virginia. Uh, this past week, but they did turn it around and absolutely dominate Texas Tech at home. Uh, right now, their overall record, they're 12 and 7, uh, 8 and 4 in Big 12 play. Uh, that puts them at fourth in the Big 12 behind uh, Baylor, West Virginia, and uh, someone else. I should Texas, know this. Probably. I think they're one ahead Texas right now. I could be wrong. Let me check. Standings. Uh, Baylor, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State. They are actually two uh, a game and a half behind Oklahoma State in the standings as well. So and a half game above Texas. So uh they this this should be a top five finishing team in the Big 12. They have very winnable games this week. Uh upcoming, they have they play on the road at OU, a sub 500 Big 12 conference team, as well as hosting TCU on Saturday also a sub 500 conference so far this. Uh, I did forget to mention back to the men's team up on their slate this week. Uh, not super easy, although they do have a possible winnable game at TCU uh, on Tuesday, but then they have Kansas in Lawrence on Thursday and then the Kansas at home on Saturday game. So we'll see if they would be able to possibly win one of those three opportunities. Speaking of uh, wins, Tom Brady added another one to his collection uh, as he continues to surplant himself as the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, Brady does or ends up winning his seventh uh, Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. The Brady and Gronk connection was alive and well. When you think about the players who uh, thrived in this game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Antonio Brown, and Leonard Fournette, they acquired all of the – well, they acquired really three of those players, um, especially A.B. and Leonard Fournette, really during – when COVID was uh, not – leaving the league unsure of what was going to happen this season – the way that the Buccaneers ended up formulating this team set them up for success. Obviously, they had some struggles to begin the season, but they were trying to put a completely new team together. Brady was learning a new offense for the first time in his life or in his well NFL career since he came into the league. Um, feels like his whole life because he's been there forever, but it it worked. The Tampa Bay defense did what they needed to. Um, they're that this goes to show what happens when you have a depleted offensive line. And that is what the chiefs had Uh, a fact for this game was the cap hit for the chiefs starting offensive line 
not their not the starters who had started before, but the starting offensive line in the Super Bowl was less than their dead cap hit in 2020 for Eric Berry, who was a former starting safety for the Chiefs, who now hasn't played for the team for two. Um, absolutely incredible, and that that cap hit was 1.8 million dollars less too. So, not much. I would say that there's ta- there was pot talent on the line but it's not star talent and it really went to show according to next gen stats the buccaneers pass rush forced patrick mahomes to bail out of the pocket and scramble literally all over the field mahomes traveled 497 yards before throwing the ball or being sacked the most scramble yards of any in any game by any quarterback in the next gen stats era uh which began in 2016 um, and if that stat wasn't jarring enough for you fans, Brady was only pressured on a mere 9.5% of dropbacks, which if you recall from last week, what I talked about, the Chiefs key to success in this game was getting pressure on Brady. 9.5% of his dropbacks is not a lot. Mahomes was pressured on 57% of his dropbacks. And most of those pressures came on just four man rushes uh, for Tampa Bay. Um In this game, Kansas City used five-man protection, so no extra offensive linemen, not using tight ends to help block. On 92% of the drop of Patrick Mahomes' dropbacks, 48 out of 52, they left two backup offensive tackles without help, and it was a huge mistake in this game. Uh, And and really, that's where what it boils down to: the Chiefs' offensive line was was a revolving door all game long. I mean the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line had their way with just four really pass rushers all game long, no matter where they were stunting him from, all they needed was four. And you can't put it all on Patrick Mahomes. He ran all over the field, trying to get rid of the football. He was parallel to the ground and threw a football to a player's face mask in the end zone. He was getting tackled to the ground by Shaq Barrett and heaved a ball into the back corner of the end zone where only one player could get it. And that was Byron Pringle. He he did everything he needed to. I saw this by a Chiefs beat beat writer this this morning. No one would have uh, faulted Patrick Mahomes for taking sacks there uh, as a five hundred million dollar quarterback. No one would have faulted him, but instead he ran around scrambling for his life to try and do all that he could in this game. Uh, I can't remember if he ended up having a completion on third down or not, but for a while he was 0 for 8 on third down in this game with one interception. He just didn't get any help from his receivers. Travis Kelsey dropped a pass. Tyreek Hill dropped a pass. Uh, McCole Hardman lost the ball multiple times in the air. Daryl Williams had one go off his face mask. Tyreek Hill had one go off his face mask. And two, both of those that went off the face mask would have been touchdowns as well. It, I, I saw from ESPN stats and information that um, Patrick Mahomes ran almost 500 yards, like before passes slash sacks. During yeah, that game. that's that's what that was my next gen stats stat. Yeah, yeah, like that's just in, that's just insane how much he had to scramble around to uh, to do that. It was insane. It, I mean, that's. Ultimately, that's what lost the the Chiefs the game. They were they weren't able to move the ball enough. They weren't able to score 
as often. Honestly, Harrison Butker was the MVP of this game because he literally scored all the points for his team. What other person or what other player can say that? Um, so shout out to Butker, absolutely nailing bombs. He had over a 50-yard field goal in this game. He's worth every penny that the Chiefs pay him. Um, but the other thing this game was the penalties were very lopsided. Yes, there were some penalties that were very obvious. The Chiefs do uh, on the in their secondary they they co- they blanket cover by trying to get away with some holding calls. Um, but there were also some calls in this game that I I don't want to be the only one who's ranting about them. I know why it was siding with me on a few of them that some of those calls should or probably shouldn't have been called. But when the penalties are that lopsided in a game, I guess I I'm lost for words of how that happens. I don't know. I mean, if you want to talk about him real quick, I don't know what your thoughts are, Mike, but there was two pass interference calls that stick out in my mind that I I think were bad calls. Uh, One was that whole tripping debacle that happened running up the left side of the field. Nobody touched anybody. Both players tripped, and the ball was uncatchable in the first place. So I don't see how that could have been pass interference. And the second well, one – I mean, they, they gave Mike Evans the flag for his acting job because he really did sell it. Yeah, I mean, he tripped. He, he did, but – hit his feet. I can see why the official threw the flag. Like, I don't necessarily agree with the call, but I can't – but as an official look – if I was an official looking at that, I can see why I would have thrown the flag. I can see why if you're talking about just contact, but the ball wouldn't if, – if they did not trip and kept running, that ball still would not have been catchable. Therefore, it still would not have been pass interference. I, I, I think there was enough enough there to say, hey, I don't – you know, I, I personally would not throw the flag in that situation. I, I didn't like it in real time, and I really didn't like it in slow. But I, I don't know. I didn't like that call. The, the other one I didn't like was in the end zone. Um, what was that guy's name, the one who was getting all in Brady's face? yeah that one i didn't like that either the the flag came out it seemed like before the ball even left brady's hand but i i don't know i didn't like that pass interference call either if you wanted my opinion i think those were the two bad calls of the game also the ball basically went into the first row the stands to which unless you're megatron you're the only person who could possibly have a chance of catching that yeah Anyway, I, I do think there was some bad calls. Those are the only two that I can think of that were actually bad, in my opinion. Everything else seemed pretty fair. Whether or not they, they were or were not calling penalties on Tampa Bay, I don't know. But I can only see what the TV shows me. But I certainly did not like those two pass interference calls, if you wanted my opinion, which you now have. And, I mean, it was a pretty big momentum swing in the game as well as Tampa Bay was able to score a touchdown on that drive and uh, take a lot of momentum going into halftime. Um yeah, it, it, things really didn't improve, improve for the Chiefs after halftime. They didn't have a great opening drive to start the second half, and then time was against them the entire second half. They weren't able to do on defense, and they weren't really able to generate any turnovers, which is what they needed. And Tom Brady gets a seventh, and we could potentially see that matchup again next year. Super Bowl is both of those teams have a lot of their core uh, returning uh, for next season as uh, the way too early sports rankings, however you take them has already put both of those teams in the top four for Super Bowl odds uh, to start the season. Yep. But NFL season is a next NFL season is a long way away, but what isn't a long way away is this upcoming baseball season. And we are one step 
closer to the start of the baseball season um, as of Monday night here when the league officially, the league and the players union officially agreed to the health and safety protocols that will govern this season. That was the last hurdle to overcome before spring training um, can get underway. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of the health protocol because we're not a we're not an epidemiology podcast or a sports podcast. If you really care about that, look it up. The two things I do want to mention is it does carry over two rule changes from last year. Um, so first of all, the, remember rule changes from last year, they added the three batter minimum for relief pitchers. That was going to be added pre-COVID. So that stays. There was never any doubt about that. The two rule changes that this adds in um, as of this agreement on Monday night is that one seven inning double headers will again be in for this season. Um, again, it's a one year thing, but seven inning double headers again, and also starting a runner on second base in extra innings will again be in for this season. It's again, only a one year addition, doesn't have any bearing going forward. I can see why it's very perturbed by both of those things, um, but those were both agreed to. Um, expanded playoffs and universal DH were both not included in this agreement. And at this point will both not are expected to not be in place for the 2020 season. But remember they agreed on the expanded playoffs for the 2019 season, literally 45 minutes before the first pitch of the season. So who knows? Keep, uh, we, we still got a month and a half where they could work out those details, but for now, the only additions carrying over are the seven inning double headers and runner on second base um, at the start of extra innings. Um, I'm pretty sure we've all come out against all of these previously. Um, I mean, I don't really want to get into the reasons again, go back and find that episode. Um, if you want to hear our reasoning, unless somebody has new details, they want to add to these discussions, but otherwise it's changing baseball. Don't change baseball. Baseball's great as it is. Basically sums it up from my perspective. So, so I just want to get your opinion on one thing. Are you not in favor of those seven inning double headers going no. forward? I no. hate them. They used to play double. They used to play nine inning double headers much more regularly than they do now. Last year, I understood it because of all the cancellations, and this year there'll probably be more cancellations too with COVID protocols. Um, so I can see why they're doing it again, but no, I'm definitely not in favor of it going forward. Back in the day, they used to play nine inning doubleheaders much more regularly than they did if we go back to like the 2018 season, the last regular season. So no, I'm not a fan of either of those who will change as long. Right. I, I, I'm in favor of it now, right. As cancellations happen, but not going forward. One thing that I absolutely loathe and I can't wait for them to get rid of or get rid of this idea forever is the runner starting on second base. Ugh. Agreed. I don't like it. It's the worst. I mean, their strategy that comes into it of who you get out in the last inning so they can start on second base, but you're basically, you're almost guaranteed. Your so. I mean, like, is there, there's nothing like this in, yeah. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like that it's different in the playoffs. If you're not doing it in the playoffs, you're admitting that it's bad, basically. So, right? It's not like – I mean, the only reason other sports have to tweak their overtimes in the play – I guess basketball doesn't. But the only reason hockey and football have to tweak theirs is because 
or at least that hockey does, is because there has to be an end, right? And yeah. football, there also has to be an end. Yeah, and you can't you can't tie in the playoffs in football and hockey like you can in the regular season. You can't have that happen in the playoffs, which is why you have to tweak it, right, for the playoffs. I get it. But you just can't – yeah, I don't I'm Anyway, I'm not going to get into it. I don't want to get worked up tonight. I'm not, not about it. Not about getting worked up. Um, other big note across Major League Baseball, the Dodgers um, cemented themselves having the best um, playoff rot- – uh, the best rotation in baseball when they signed Trevor Bauer to a three-year, $105 million contract. This contract does have opt-outs after um, each year. So he'll get paid $40 million this year. Then if he doesn't opt out of the deal – He'll get 45 next year, and then presumably he'll opt out of the deal because it's only like seven million the la- 17 million the last year, which unless he's like hurt or awful, I presume he'll opt out of. So it's a one or two or three year deal for 40 or 85 or 107 million dollars or something like. There you go. Trevor Bauer signed. Dodgers have a stacked rotation. Spring training is like a week away, maybe a little bit more. So get ready. Get ready. Um, moving on to Mike's Stupid Rules. We are going to have a Wyatt present um, this week's rules and Mike's Stupid Rules with maybe a little bit of a discussion to follow. Wyatt, what rules do you have for us this week? Well, I actually want to flip it around and do the discussion first. I want to get your guys' opinions on this. This is something I thought of right after I saw that Pat Mahomes horizontal throw, the fourth and nine potential touchdown pass, which was dropped in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. My thought was the quarterback, when he has the ball, he has his arm cocked back. As soon as the ball is moving forward, let's imagine he still has his hand on the ball. The, the ball just starts moving forward, but his knee touches the ground because he's diving forward, right? Is the ball declared dead here, or can the ball continue and be a legal forward pass? Do, do you guys have any thoughts on this? I know I asked Kyle about this earlier, um, but I don't think I give you a chance to answer yet, Mike. But I if you guys would, want to share your opinions. I would presume that he's still, by NFL rule, when the ball's in his hand, he's still considered to be in possession of the ball, right? And if your knee's on the ground after being, because of contact by an opponent, if you have possession and your knee's on the ground after contact with an opponent, you're down and it's a dead ball and the play's over. So presumably, based on those two rules, I would assume he's down. I guess if he's not down by contact, he could still throw the ball, right? Yeah. Well, let's, not, well, let's imagine he's down by contact. Yeah, if he's not if he's down, down by, by contact, contact, then for I, sure. Good, if yeah. he's down by contact, I already expressed my opinion but to Wyatt earlier, but I believe in this case, I agree with Mike, that he is in possession of that football. He's down any, – any body part down by contact – that, that ball lands there. And I actually believe this happened. I believe I saw this happen in a game this year. I, I want to say it was Josh Allen that I saw this happen to, but I, I can't remember for sure. I'd have to go back and find the, find the clip of it. So just to be totally clear for everyone that's listening, the ball is still in the quarterback's hand, but the ball is traveling forward when his knee touches the ground. And I thought this would be something easy. You could just go in the rule book and figure it out, right? And I still think it's extremely ambiguous. We're going to go over three really quick rules, so just stick with me. We're going to look at possession uh, first, which is Rule 3, Section 2, Article 7, Player Possession. And it simply states that a player is in possession when he is inbounds and has control of the ball with his hands or arms. 
That seems pretty obvious, right? The next rule I want to look at is the definition of a forward pass, where it kind of gets a little bit interesting. This is Rule 8, Section 1, Article 1, Item 1, which specifically designates that the forward movement of the hand or ball, uh, it, it starts a forward pass. So the nomenclature is when a player is in control of the ball and is attempting to pass it forward, any intentional forward movement of the hand starts the forward pass, which makes sense, right? Uh, we see this a lot when the quarterback is in the process of getting sacked and he starts moving the ball forward. It's, it's called a, uh, you know, an incomplete pass rather than a fumble because he has that forward movement. That makes sense. Now I want to look at the definition of a loose ball. Rule three, section two, article four. A loose ball is a live ball, obviously, that is not in player possession. Any ball that has been kicked, passed, or fumbled, which I think is where it gets into. It's a loose ball until the player either secures possession or the ball becomes dead. And uh, it has separate nomenclature for what's called a loose ball uh, being in flight, which is exactly what it sounds like. The ball's in air. I don't, between these three rules, I cannot definitively say that the quarterback would be ruled down the ball dead when the forward pass has started. I, I think this is ambiguous. And if this were to happen, you know, in an actual game, I don't know what the outcome would be. I feel like I've seen reviews where they were viewing if the ball has left his hand before his knees down. Though no. I feel I, like I can't think of anything off the top of my head where that's happened. There's no like case study on this in the end of the rule book either. Is it the NFL rule book, the NCAA rule book that has all like the case plays in it? They both have what's called approved rulings at the bottom. I couldn't find anything specifically, but if you want to look, um, and, and there might be what's called an official ruling out there for the season as well that I don't know about. But based on what I'm reading and interpreting in the rule book, I still think this is US. I mean, in my opinion, I think this should be a forward pass since the pass was started, right? If the pass was started, how can you say the player has possession of the ball? Can he stop that? Can, and if he stops that, right, that's like a pump. I, I don't know. I have no idea. So if you have thoughts on this, feel free to drop us a line on our contact page at 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact or shoot us a DM on Instagram at 8311cast. I'd like to hear your opinion on this. I would, like, common sense would tell you that the ball is down there, but I think you might have an argument to be made that that's a forward pass. I don't know. Yeah, I ju- I'm just not convinced by that argument. I'm sorry, Wyatt. No, it's good. We'd, we're not supposed to agree on everything. Yeah. And, uh... Do you know what else we usually don't agree on? Well, bases do award our uh, write that down predictions. And most of the time it doesn't matter because most of the time we're wrong anyway. doesn't matter how many bases your prediction is worth if it's wrong. Um, so here we go with our accountability session this week where we'll take a lot of predictions off the board. Um, first one to come off the board is Wyatt's yearly prediction that there will be a one-point safety um, in football this year with the Super Bowl officially over. Football season is over. There was no one-point safety. So for that, Wyatt gets a nah. Nah. Kyle put that Byron Pringle will score another special teams touchdown this year. Um, if he had scored one up to this point, we would have taken it off the board. And since the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown, he definitely didn't score a special teams touchdown in the Super Bowl. So nah. 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 Kyle predicted there would be two scoregamis in the playoffs. Um, there was one in the uh, the Super Wild Card weekend, but then there were not any the rest of the playoffs. So for that, he gets a nah. I predicted that the Twins would trade for a major league player this offseason. They did. Um, they traded with the Giants. The Twins traded outfielder Lamont Wade Jr. 
to the Giants for relief pitcher Sean Alexander, who was with the Giants Major League Club for most of last season. So for that, I get a ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Kyle predicted that the Chiefs would have no turnovers in the Super Bowl, which was correct. Nobody t- – oh, no, not correct. Sorry. That's not Pat correct. Mahomes, yeah. Pat Mahomes threw interceptions. Forgot about that for a second. Um, he did throw interceptions. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. – I predicted that both teams would have a turnover in the Super Bowl, um, and only the Chiefs did. Tampa Bay did not have any turnover. So for that, I get a nah. Nah. Wyatt predicted a failed try in the Super Bowl, which did not happen. So for that, he gets a nah. Nah. Wyatt predicted that Tom Brady would not throw an interception in the Super Bowl. As we just talked about, they didn't turn the ball over, so that means no interception. So ding 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 uh, and Josh predicted that Tom Brady would get another Super Bowl this year, which he did. So, ding, Kyle, do you want to uh, get us started by putting another prediction on the board for us? Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, like what's what's the point? So we're going out there. I pretty much already gave myself the scoring for this because it's that out there. I'm predicting the. AFC and NFC representatives for next season. And my prediction is Bills versus Chiefs in the AFC championship and Rams versus Bucks in the NFC championship. I mean, I think this is a home run just because it's so far out and you don't even know what could be going on. I mean, you pretty much got to give this home. Oh, 100%. I agree with Kyle. That would be my prediction as well. But it, it has to be a home Rams run. Bandwagon. Like Matthew Stafford isn't that good. It's the, it's the bromance that they like. But he's not it, that good. It, it's the bromance with him and, and McVeigh. I think is. Hey, hey, Mike, jumping on. Mike, when the bandwagon leaves you at the station, I'll just wave. I'm on that bandwagon and I'm riding it. Here we go. <laughs> Whatever you say, Kyle. Whatever you say. See, okay, here's the thing. I thought Matthew Stafford should have gone to the Colts. The Colts should have gotten Matthew Stafford because they would have been an automatic AFC championship game contender next year. I mean, but, yes. Yeah, would you change your prediction if he was a Colt? Would you have uh, said – I would have said Chiefs versus Colts in the AFC championship, yeah. Matthew, I think Matthew Stafford and the Colts would have been better than the Bills, but that's neither here or there because now he's out in sunny L.A., California, where he's going to be in the NFC championship game. Okay. Well, I am also going to make an NFL prediction for next year. I am going to say there are at least 12 different teams with a different starting quarterback next year. We're already at three because Rivers retired, so the Colts will have one. And then, of course, the Matthew Stafford-Jared Goff trade puts that at three. We can automatically put us at four because the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to draft Trevor Lawrence and start Trevor. Are they? They're starting. I feel like that's a safe bet. I feel like it's a safe bet too, but I don't know that. So, I think this is either going to be a triple or a home run. Probably there, a home run. There are rumors that Philadelphia is trading, possibly trading Carson Wentz to the Chicago Bears uh, in return for Nick Foles. So Foles or Hertz could be the quarterback there. So there's- yeah, but if I had a nickel for every quarterback gets traded rumor over the last five years, I'd be rich. I think we can I, almost I mean, by default just at least a hundred dollars to drop into a prop bet, maybe for a streaker in a Super Bowl, but that's also neither here or there. I think we can um, just straight up give this a home run, like without much thought, in my opinion. But we're already a quarter of the way there. 
We're only a quarter of the way there. Way there. By I by speculation, and I don't know. If you can make a good argument for a triple as opposed to a home run, I'm certainly here to listen. I vote for a home run. Of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> you don't get a vote. Uh, all right, here. I'll list the teams, Wyatt, and we'll see if you, you sway your vote. So we already know the four teams. Rams, Lions, Colts, Jags. Jets, Texans, Bears, Eagles. Uh, okay, you just came up with four more. You still got to come up with four more. You're yeah. Gonna, yeah. I don't know who else would. 49ers. I, to Patriots, two of those four you just listed. 49ers and Patriots. There's there's 10. And? Washington football team and Cowboys. There's 12. There you go. Uh, I've disagreed with four of the ones you've listed off so far. I still think this should be. I'm I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think y'all are. Not I say so. triple. Do we flip a coin? I mean, no, because Mike Mike's a tiebreaker. <laughs> uh, I think it should just be a home run. I think it's going to happen. but I don't. I, I know. I know you think it I'll is be too, mad when he gets four bases when this happens. And he might, but I don't think it's gonna. Said it. It can't change now, right? I don't want to know what information you have. Don't make me feel bad about giving you a home run. So my prediction is that the first hit by pitch on the Cubs is going to be Anthony Rizzo, and this will happen this season. I'll write that down. Predictions. He probably. He's he you usually leads baseball and hit by pitches. He's not usually the first. Him and Alex Gordon, but Alex Gordon's retired now. He's also yeah, but th- I'm saying this will happen right, but before this season, the write that down prediction. Yes, one Cubs batter is going to get hit before <laughs> the end of May, Wyatt. <laughs> hey, you never Which know. Is, will it be Rizzo? <laughs> um, I mean, there's so many. Triple, double, or triple? What do you think, Kyle? It does crowd the plate so much, but I feel like it ha- it's more than a trade. I'm fine with the triple. I won't try Because there's, there's, I mean, there's at least nine opportunities for it to happen. At least. So. I want to argue with the triple if we want let's, to. Let's go with the triple. I'm more okay with that triple than Mike's home run, but, you know. Yeah, we can't yeah the more I think about it, no, I don't. I don't want to hear it. Oh, the one thing you missed no. is that uh, Drew Brees is probably also retiring and Kyle never listed the Saints. Oh, I mean, that still wouldn't have swayed my opinion that much. That, that, that would still leave three three up in the air. Yeah. That Kyle listed. I, I still don't feel that bad if that was your only other That was my only piece of information. Oh, then no, I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad about that being a home. I don't think it's going to. You don't think when Josh this week, he's still alive? Still alive, but he does not have a prediction for us this week. Nope. We should uh, draft, a, not a bylaw, I don't know what you would call this, a, a rule for write that down predictions that you have some sort of penalty if you don't have a prediction week. Yeah, we'll discuss that and bring it back to our listeners next week. Yeah, food for thought. So, again, if you have any uh, any thoughts on that rule change, feel free to drop us a line. Shoot us a DM, actually. Check out our Instagram page, like I said earlier, at 8311cast. Slide in those DMs and let us know what you think about that rule change. To write that I, also, I also feel like to be judicious, we can't start that rule change until next season. Oh, yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Signing – well – do you want to sign off yet? Usually I talk a little bit more about how you should definitely go check out our Instagram page because you really should do that. We post some good stuff, I think. Signing off, 8311Cast. We have your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. And Wyatt Teeter. Thank you so much for listening to episode 118 of 8311Cast. <laughs> go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Mike shouldn't have gotten a home run for that prediction. Uh...